your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and the Odyssey app. Doing so is completely free and ensures you never miss another episode. On tonight's show, the NHL actually has quite a few uh, interesting, maybe funny, amusing updates for us. Some stuff that's maybe a little bit troubling. And then at the end of the episode, I thought I would talk about a really cool thing that Locked On NHL as a whole is doing together. We have a first round mock draft. And while the rest of the draft is still currently in progress, I thought I would talk about our pick for this uh, for this draft, and you'll find out a little bit about why I chose this particular player. Before we get underway with tonight's episode, though, I did want to tell you about one of our other great podcasts because you need more hockey news, and Locked On NHL is here to fill the gap. It's our daily podcast on everything happening in the league. Subscribe and listen each day for a quick look at the biggest stories and game recaps. Sub to the Locked On NHL podcast today wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Kicking off tonight's episode, I thought it would be interesting to discuss the hiring of Pierre McGuire to be, I think, um, what was it, like vice president of player development or something for the Ottawa Senators. Now, I think a lot of people have very interesting opinions on McGuire, and most of it is like he he's really a relic of the game. McGuire doesn't really seem to have a good handling on how the modern game has progressed for the most part. Oftentimes, it feels like Pierre has a really good understanding of historical players and data and stuff, but in terms of how any of that information would be considered relevant in the modern era, it's a lot harder to parse out what exactly he would bring. And so I've heard a a couple of different things. I've heard people say that this is actually the one role that he would be suited for, especially when it comes to working with, you know, younger players and helping them become pros long term. But from my perspective, I just don't understand why other qualified candidates wouldn't be considered or chosen. I look at Pierre and I see him often talking about the game in a way that is a bit anachronistic. He talks about a lot of uh, big, gritty, physical players that he seems to love, and while those guys do have a place in the league, and certainly some of them are actually very good at what they do and bring value that maybe extends beyond just their physical traits, I think Pierre tends to look at a lot of players who really don't bring much more than just that physical intensity, and so I kind of wonder what exactly Pierre would bring to the, the Sens organization. I think Ottawa has, at least in some capacity, a pretty decent pipeline of young talent. I don't know that Pierre is going to be the kind of guy to elevate it, but I look at this this whole hiring practice with the NHL and I kind of wonder, what is even the point for a lot of young professionals who are looking to get involved in the league? You see that guys like Pierre and other GMs and coaches who are often fired and players and stuff who maybe didn't have like some crazy career end up getting hired into uh, senior director roles or even developmental roles as coaching staff members. And sure, some of those guys actually do pan out here and there, but for the most part, you see a lot of these hires, and it's like a continuing carousel of people who get hired in one place, then fired, and then rehired somewhere else. And so I don't really understand why the NHL is so, I would say, cyclical. They keep trading and swapping the same people over and over again, and I look at the McGuire hiring as yet another sign that the NHL really is is still very far behind the times. And I'm not saying this as if other pro sports leagues aren't in the same situation, but I often see the the cycle of recycling, shall I say, 
um, really predominantly in, in NHL hockey. I mean, you don't really see the sort of stuff happening in all of these other places. In world football, you do see some clubs and leagues swapping managers, but I think that there is, to some degree, at least a little bit of a different structure in terms of needing to have like a consistent level of expectation. If you know that you're hiring some manager who is basically bang average, but consistently stays in the league and gets you like a certain amount of revenue, for some of the lower-end clubs, that's actually quite a good hire. It's not exactly somebody who's going to take you to the next level, but it is something that in the world that the, the world of soccer has built is actually a sustainable model. But the NHL doesn't really function the same way, and so for me it feels like you'd actually be more rewarded by looking for riskier or more progressive hires. And I think it's just frustrating for me because I see this happen all the time. You know, aside from like the nepotism of people hiring their family members and stuff, you just see a lot of hires that don't really make sense. Or even if they are competent at one thing or something like that, you could hire many other candidates who would bring more qualities, more skill, and more benefits to an organization that's frankly needing to grow up and, and step into the modern era. You know, the, the Suns are probably a little bit more progressive, I guess, in certain areas. I think that they have a younger roster, and so they tend to play, at least from my eyes, to the strengths of that team. I'm not like a huge fan of the Suns organization, and it's clear that there are certain parts that are definitely still behind the times, you know, ignoring any of the moral issues that the team has. But aside from that, you know, I don't know. I just feel like McGuire, for me, it's, it's a sign that the NHL is still so far behind a lot of these other leagues. The natural reaction to Pierre getting hired by a pro NHL team was basically laughter. I think people kind of look at it as a meme, and it's it's a little bit sad in a lot of ways because Pierre is supposedly a super nice guy. But when it comes to him speaking about and working in hockey, it just sort of baffles me as to some of the stuff that he says. He talks about these players and stuff like it's the 1980s rather than, you know, 2021. And so for me, this hiring, it's just a swing and a miss, and I feel like it's representative of this trend of constantly recycling the same tired voices in hockey over and over again. In a lot of ways, I think that's something that frustrates me about the Jets, because Winnipeg hasn't really had like a change in direction in some time, and they keep going back to the same well year over year. I feel like if you're not really cutting it, and instead of taking steps forward, you've actually regressed year over year compared to where you were just a couple of seasons ago... I don't know, at some point you would have to think that somebody wants to right the ship and get things back on track, but Winnipeg, for the most part, hasn't really shown an interest in that. I'm in some ways glad that they didn't do something like hire Pierre Maguire, but by the same token, I also feel like Winnipeg is very complacent where it is, and that, for me, is just as bad in a lot of areas. But I'm curious to know your thoughts on this. I know a lot of Jets fans over the years have become increasingly impatient. I want to focus at some point on a future episode with some thoughts from local fans and Jets fans who are maybe either happy about the way things are right now or thinking that the team needs to take some kind of a step forward. I'd be curious to know what you think about that. Um, I'd love to have an episode on it, maybe interview a couple of folks about it. So be sure to let me know if you're interested at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. We'll have this episode sometime in the future. I don't know when it's going to be. It's going to depend on how many people are interested in talking about this. But for me, I think it's a very fascinating topic and something that a, a lot of folks are probably at least keen to hear different perspectives on. The, uh, the Pierre McGuire news wasn't the only thing that people were laughing at today, though. We'll move on to discussing the Duncan Keith trade in just a moment. Before we move on, though, I did want to tell you about why Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. If you're a longtime listener of this podcast, then by now you know that I'm personally a huge fan of Built Bars. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, they're so darn delicious because they're more like candy bars with a 100% chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. 
They come in delicious flavors like salted caramel, strawberry, cookies and cream, German chocolate, and even more delicious flavors. And best of all, Built Bar often releases very special limited edition, limited quantity flavors, so always stay tuned to their social media and website platforms so you won't miss that hot new flavor drop. As good as Built Bars taste, they're even better for you. With most bars clocking in at around 17 to 18 grams of protein, 130 to 180 calories, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. That means they're perfect for every lifestyle, whether you're looking to maintain or lose weight. To place your order, go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and it will get 15% off your next order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at Built.com. Don't delay and treat yourself to the best protein bar on the market. Welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are now diving into some additional NHL news, and that is, of course, the uh, the Edmonton Oilers have traded for Duncan Keith of the Chicago Blackhawks, sending Caleb Jones and a conditional 2022 third-round draft pick the other way. This trade, you know, despite looking like it not actually being for much, is somehow still an overpayment when it comes to um, Edmonton's end, right? So Duncan Keith several years ago was a really great defender. In fact, there was a time that had he been at a higher level of play, the Jets might have considered taking a swing at him. I think when you look at his contract and certainly the the cap hit and the um, I think it's actually front loaded. So the true salary is actually pretty low. You take all that into consideration and you think to yourself, well, maybe he actually has some value. I think the biggest problem with Keith right now is that he's, what, 38, and he's basically on the last two years of his contract. His actual on-ice value is extremely low, and I don't know. I'm not really sure what Edmonton is thinking here. The Oilers' defense right now is pretty rough, and when you bring in somebody like Keith, he's probably not going to fix that. Age has definitely caught up to him, and I can imagine that at this stage of his career, he's probably right around retirement. You're not really trading for him with the expectation that he plays beyond two seasons. I feel like he'll finish out his contract and then hang up the skates unless he somehow ends up back in Chicago. I'd imagine if he were to go back, at, you know, it'd probably be in some sort of player support role or something. But I did think his response to the Aldridge allegations regarding the Blackhawks was... Uh, underwhelming and definitely suggested that he's trying to just distance himself and walk away from it. And I feel like in a lot of ways, that for me says that you know, a lot of the guys on the team knew what was going on. I know that there have been a lot of statements about, uh, you know, players and, and staff saying that they really didn't know what was going on or didn't get like the full extent. But Keith's response for me was very suspicious. I felt like he was trying to be evasive, but unfortunately it sort of reveals a little bit more about the whole situation. So yeah, not great. It definitely seems like he's trying to cut his ties and he wants to move closer to family to get a fresh start and get away from the situation. I didn't really care for his quote though, I have to be honest. It felt pretty, I, I don't know, I would say cowardly or something, but I don't know that that's the right word. I feel like there's probably a lot of complex emotions and situations involved with this, but suffice it to say it just wasn't good enough. And so I look at this whole trade and I kind of wonder what exactly either of these parties is is trying to get out of this. I know that Chicago definitely wants to dump cap, um, and I think it, it does seem like they're trying to get to, to Seth Jones. Of course, Caleb is Seth's brother, so it would make sense if they're trying to unite them. You know, you bring in Caleb and you try to recruit Seth as a result because I don't think Seth would look to come to Chicago under normal circumstances. I know that there is now a massive gap in Chicago's top four, which even with Keith, that probably still was true, but... Jones would definitely fill in immediately. Caleb, I would imagine, would be playing like a complimentary top four or third pairing role. Chicago did okay here. I know that Caleb probably doesn't seem like the world's most ideal defender, but in terms of like a third pairing guy who probably brings better on-ice attributes and is certainly a lot younger than Keith is, 
it's a clear upgrade, and I think Keith just needed to be jettisoned anyways because he's a huge cap hit, he's definitely at the wrong end of the age spectrum for what Chicago wants to do, and it's probably about time that they just went their ways anyways. I feel like Keith has done all that he can in Chicago, and it's time for him to wrap up his career and basically move towards retirement. Of all the parties involved with this whole process, though, it is really funny that the Oilers were the ones to bring Keith in. I know that they look at this team and they think to themselves, well, we really struggled against the Jets, we got swept, and so now we need to you know, work on bringing in depth players and guys who bring leadership and skill. The problem for Edmonton is that that's not actually what's wrong with the team at all. They don't really have a lot of depth past McDavid and Dreisaitl. You look at that team and they've got Yamamoto, Puyayarvi, they've got, well, when he's healthy, Oscar Clefbaum, Ethan Bear sometimes when he's decent, Adam Larson sometimes when he's decent, but, you know, overall that team is just extremely thin. You've got a lot of AHLers playing in roles that they really shouldn't be. I think Gaten Haas at one point was, what, their second-line center? And sure, they did resign Ryan Nugent Hopkins for what would be considered, I see, a so-called, like, team-friendly deal, but I don't really feel like he actually moves the needle, and I look at the rest of the team and I'm just wondering, what exactly is Keith going to fix here? He'll rack up points, that's for sure, because he's probably going to get a good dose of power play time, and, you know, when you're playing around McDavid, you're going to score. That's just sort of the natural thing. I think McDavid could probably get me, who does not skate, like a 40-point NHL season. He is that good. And so, Keith doesn't actually have to do all that much in order to look like he's succeeding, but in terms of what I think he actually brings to that Edmonton locker room, I just, I don't really see it beyond a voice of leadership and, and certainly veterancy, but in terms of, like, on-ice production, I would not expect that much. The Blackhawks definitely won this trade, so I feel like they'll be thrilled with this this whole move. They get off a cap hit that was probably holding them back a bit. They add another younger defender who, again, isn't really fantastic, but he could be used to help bring in his brother in Seth. And if they lure Seth in, eh, you know, I'm very mixed on Seth Jones. I feel like his on-ice performance isn't that great. There was a time a couple of seasons ago where I felt like he was dominant. You know, he and Zach Wierenski were great together, um, and they could really tilt the ice, but... Nowadays, Jones just seems, you know, very overvalued and very overhyped at this stage of his career. And so I feel like he's going to get a contract to be a top pairing defender, but he's not going to be that guy at all. It's going to probably look more like a, a Tyler Meyer sort of deal. That would actually be happy for me because if he's not signing for the Jets, I think that that's probably the best scenario. I don't want Winnipeg going at Jones. I, I would very much, you know, be against that whole situation. I don't think that Seth brings any of what Winnipeg really needs. He is very strong on the puck and he does have a very good offensive side to his game at times. But beyond that, I just don't really want the rest of his package that he brings. He's not an overly defensive presence on the back end. And in terms of like transition and stability, he doesn't really do enough for me to actually warrant bringing on his contract. He's going to be looking for a big raise and I just don't really have an interest in that, especially with term. If the Jets are going to acquire somebody, I'm, I'm looking at a, a big, you know, Dougie Hamilton type, not somebody like Jones. And even Hamilton's not a guarantee at this stage, because while Dougie is very good and actually, you know, one of the best defenders in the NHL, it could be tough to fit him in on Winnipeg's timeline. So I'm hoping that uh, the Jets can actually find an upgrade for a defender that's not Duncan Keith or Seth Jones. But more than likely, they're just going to find another Nate Boyu and call it a day because that's Winnipeg's MO. On a related note of Winnipeg acquisitions, I thought it would also be fun to talk about our Locked On NHL mock draft in which I have selected a player for the Jets that I think might, might be a real gem, a diamond in the rough, somebody that Winnipeg would absolutely love. And I'll introduce him in just a moment. But before then, I wanted to talk to you fine listeners, especially those of you interested in online betting, about why BetOnline.ag is the best place to do all of your online betting. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. Baseball and basketball season are in full swing, and you can track all the action at BetOnline. 
Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including the MLB, NBA, NHL, NFL, UFC, MMA, international soccer, and every sport in between. No matter what you're into, BetOnline has your back. Before that next pitch or face-off, head on over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up for bonuses, and enter all the contests your heart desires. Stop sitting on the sidelines and join your favorite teams as they begin their playoff quests for glory. Win while your favorite teams win. Getting started couldn't be easier. Just register for a free account at betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive a matched 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Again, to receive that matched 50% welcome bonus, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON at registration. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. We're now closing out tonight's episode with a preview of upcoming attractions, mostly some coverage about uh, Locked On NHL's network-wide NHL draft, which is a fun thing that we're all doing. All of our podcast hosts are are trying to sim out a draft, and I have made a pick for the Jets that I thought would be fun to discuss for just a couple of minutes. And this guy is an interesting player at number 17. I think a lot of people would be... I don't know, looking at a couple of different options, Carson Lambos being one of them, Winnipeg definitely would be looking for some really good mobile puck-moving D. But to be quite honest, I think it's time that Winnipeg also starts to restock on high-end attacking forwards. I feel like this is something where the Jets are actually lacking a, a degree of talent in, which is crazy to say. A couple of years ago, Winnipeg's forward roster was among the deepest reserves in the entire league. That's definitely not the case anymore, and I think the especially worrying thing is that Winnipeg does not have many quality finishers who can be versatile attackers. And so, this player is Logan Stankoven. And I feel like Stankoven presents a very interesting player. It may be Stankoven or Stankoven, I'm not sure which. Uh, Apologies, Logan, if I mispronounce your last name. But Logan is definitely one of the more, um, I would say, physically gifted goal scorers in terms of his ridiculous release and upper body strength. And it's kind of crazy because he's actually a, a relatively undersized forward. But like I often say, I think size in this league doesn't always determine what you're capable of. And Logan has a very intriguing shot. It's one of those releases that sort of seems to freeze goalies in place because... Logan has this ability to sort of drag with the puck, and then all of a sudden the puck literally explodes off of his stick in a very quick, rapid release. It's one of the most intriguing shots that I've seen in some time. It doesn't really behave like a normal wrister. It's got like this whip or something, but you watch his his skating motions and stuff, and he almost doesn't move when he's taking the shot. And so the goalie's trying to figure out, is he looking for a cross-crease pass? Is he going to shoot far post? What is he going to do? And Logan has such a variety of shot types and really strong releases that he can basically shoot anywhere in the slot area from the face-off circles. And his ability to navigate into really dangerous parts of the ice is is obviously a, a huge boost to his, his ability to score goals. He's just a really dangerous attacker. And while he is still working out some of the things like playmaking and decision-making, I feel like Stankoven's raw potential is fantastic. It's been a while since he last played, but what I've been able to find on him, um, there are like a pretty number of consistent techniques that he employs. I feel like deception is one of the biggest things. He likes to glide in and then just rip a shot uh, either top shelf or near post or something. He'll also go five hole if he thinks he can squeeze it through. He really just does not seem to be afraid of shooting just about anywhere the goalie isn't. And sometimes he'll even attack the goalie himself. I mean, he'll he'll squeeze pucks right between, you know, their, their underside of their gear or, you know, between the pads. Because his release is so fast and explosive, I, f- I feel like goalies who are, are not really set for that shot or expecting it, it just sort of gets by him. The primary criticism I've seen is that he's not a particularly great skater, and I feel like in terms of technical edge work, 
Yeah, he doesn't have like the Nikolai Ehlers gliding or explosive acceleration, but I don't think that's really an issue. He's mobile as it is, he's got a pretty decent top-end speed, and the thing that you can really say about him is that his mobility allows him to score goals. I feel like if it was an issue, he wouldn't be racking up video game points. This guy can just snipe from anywhere inside that offensive zone region, so as long as he can get to that part of the ice, it's not really an issue in my opinion. He's also renowned for being like a really dogged defender in terms of harassing puck carriers, tracking back in all zones, and trying to transition the offense up the ice. And I feel like that kind of player is something that Winnipeg would love. While I know that he is undersized, I feel like you can easily overlook that for somebody who is both strong on the puck, is an absolute pest, and has such a strong release. He is less sure of a bet than somebody like, say, Cole Perfetti, but I feel like if you want a really, you know, high-ceiling kind of offensively gifted player with a naturally great release who can also likely fill a variety of roles, uh, you know, in attacking areas, you could do a lot worse than Logan Stankoven at pick number 17, which is what I chose him at. I know that there are a number of other options, but I, I have a partialness to his play, and he could become a diamond in the rough. I'd be curious to know who you would choose at this pick, whether you're looking for another forward or maybe even a defender, or if you're really crazy, a goalie. Be sure to let me know at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets, and maybe when we do our draft coverage, we'll talk about some of your picks and who you would be interested in. For tonight's podcast, though, that will do it. Before you log off, don't forget to check out one of our other great podcasts so you can get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Burkowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite media. And as always, thanks for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.